Let's confess together this afternoon that God's word concerning the church of Jesus Christ. Lord's Day 21, page 880 in the back of your songbooks, page 880. Church is the work of God, not the work of man. And those are two fundamentally different worldviews. The church is the work of man. Then it goes in entirely the wrong way. But when we confess it as the church of God and live that way, and then things change. Lord's Day 21, page 880. I believe the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, those are the three Statements of the creed we're looking at. What do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church? I believe that the Son of God, through His Spirit and Word, out of the entire human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, protects, and preserves for Himself a community chosen for eternal life and united in true faith. And of this community I am and always will be a living member. What do you understand by the communion of saints? Uh, First, that believers, one and all, as members of Christ the Lord, have communion with him and share in all his treasures and gifts. Second, that each member should consider it a duty to use these gifts readily and joyfully for the service and enrichment of the other members. What do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sins? I believe that God, because of Christ's satisfaction, will no longer remember any of my sins or my sinful nature, which I need to struggle against all my life. Rather, by his grace, God grants me the righteousness of Christ that I may never come into judgment. And then let's read about the miracle of the church in Acts 2. Not that that's when the miracle started, but it takes on New proportions on the day of Pentecost. New dimensions. Acts 2. And if you turn on to page 1082 in your pew Bibles. 1082. And we'll read verses 36 through 47. Peter is preaching in the Spirit's power on the day of Pentecost. Saying to the people, you killed Jesus Christ. But God raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand. So, verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 
And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word. May he bless us by it and continue to strengthen and renew our faith. Brothers and sisters, In the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostles' Creed is a statement of faith that summarizes the teaching of all Scripture. And what's the teaching of all Scripture? I believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe in God and His work, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in the Son and His work. I believe in the spirit and his work. And the interesting thing about the creed is there's nothing of man in it. Nothing of our work. Is our faith is completely in the work of God. It's not that God doesn't have us do anything and we're not to work. But nothing of the work of God rests on our work. Our work rests on his. Our salvation rests on his work. And now we're coming to the third part the Holy Spirit and his work. And sometimes when we get to the third part, we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and then we forget that in our new subject, I believe the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection, the body, and the life everlasting. But these are all together. I believe in the Holy Spirit and his work. Well, what does he do? Oh, he builds the Holy Catholic Church. He gathers it into the communion of saints He applies the forgiveness of sins. One day he will raise up our bodies from the grave and bring us into life everlasting. That's the Holy Spirit's work, and that's what we're celebrating. And today we're looking at his miracle of the church. The Holy Spirit builds the church. Jesus' family is a mighty miracle of the Holy Spirit. Question for you and for me. Is church a rut that you endure or a miracle that you enjoy? Is it a rut that you endure or a miracle you enjoy? How are you looking at it? Through the eyes of God, faith, Or the eyes of man. And the challenge for us this afternoon. Is to see the church in faith and rejoice. That you may be part of this motley crew of sinners. Gathered across the ages. Across all cultures and languages. And. Brought together in a family like there's no miracle like it. I don't know about you, but I'm the only normal person here. 
Everybody else is weird. And really, that's what the church is. A whole bunch of weird people who have some normalcy, and not, none of us is totally normal, and who are being cobbled together as God's chosen family. Connected to Christ, the true vine, and to one another as his branches. It's a miracle. So first of all, we want to see that the church is his eternal household. Jesus' eternal household that the Spirit is building. It is the work of God. It's his miracle. It's the work of God the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's perhaps no day that proves this more than the day of Pentecost. When the Lord Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit. That's the day. Promise to the disciples. You shall wait in Jerusalem. Until power upon you from heaven. And then you'll be my witnesses. The Spirit poured out to empower them to be his witnesses. And then the preaching of the gospel will go to the ends of the earth. And gather the nations into the body of Christ. What a day that was when the Holy Spirit reached into hearts and lives that just a few days ago were yelling, crucify him. Now they're radically transformed by the Holy Spirit. They hear the message of Christ and now they're confessing their sin. They were cut to the heart, we read. And they said, brothers, what shall we do? And that day, three thousand repented. They put their faith in Jesus Christ. They were baptized, and it says they were added. Added to what? Verse forty-seven. Added to their number. Oh, added to the church. But brothers and sisters, the church has always been a miracle. It didn't start on the day of Pentecost. That's not the birthday of the church, as some people say. It started with God going through the garden after Adam and Eve had fallen, looking for them. Adam, finding them. Promising them the Lord Jesus Christ who would crush the serpent's head. Promising them a seed. And then expanding that to Abraham, promising him a household. And then to Israel, promising them a nation. And to David, promising him a kingdom. And so Stephen in Acts 7, when he speaks about Israel in the wilderness, calls them the church in the wilderness. The church is a lot older miracle than the day of Pentecost. It's from the beginning of the world to its end that Jesus, the Son of God, by his spirit and word, is gathering together the eternal family of God. And we get to be in it. We get to be his church and serve his church, but it's his household. We're his new creation, his divine work, and that's why it stands forever. Though we're so little and weak in the eyes of the world and so fragile, the church is a fragile family. And I don't care the size of the congregation, 
little, middle-sized, big congregation are always on, congregations are always on the verge of collapse. We're just only one day away from major upheaval and falling apart. No church has a reason to be proud in itself. Because we're the work of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gathering, protecting, preserving. And so we must always live in dependence on God. Humble ourselves before him and say, Lord, we need you. We've got the rage of the world against us, the conspiracies of Satan against us, and we've got our own sins and weaknesses that are banging on our doors. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What a promise. I I put so much into that promise. Again, that's the miracle we get to be part of. Jesus is gathering a church by his word and spirit. And and you see that also in the day of Pentecost. The spirit is poured out and he joins himself to the word. And he uses the preaching of the gospel to gather the church. The spirit and the word work together. The spirit uses the gospel, the hearing of the gospel to enter people's minds and hearts and plant the seed of Jesus Christ. No, he doesn't do that in everyone who hears. The Holy Spirit is sovereign. He does sovereignly leave some people in their unbelief and uses the word to harden them. That's his choice. Together with the Father and the Son, one true God. But still, he chooses to use the word to gather Jesus' blood-bought people. He ties himself to the gospel. And as long as our relatives who have fallen away from Jesus Christ Our friends, our loved ones are alive. You may say, Lord, my son, my daughter heard the word. There's still something of that living there. Now use that Holy Spirit still to awaken faith in my loved one. Don't let him go. The Spirit ties himself to the Word. And that's always the way you see people saved and gathered in the Bible. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 1. We know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. How? Because our gospel came to you not only in Word, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Gospel comes in the Word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and that's when people are saved and lives are changed. And if the church is a rut for you and not a miracle, then maybe you're still dead in your sin or just backsliding and maybe injured and become a little bit cynical. Pray that the Spirit will revive your life by his word. Because we're God's household. It's his work. Maybe you remember Pastor Harry Bout, who for many years served as a missionary in Mexico. And I was speaking with him a few weeks ago one evening, and he said, I'm always amazed. And I go back to Mexico now. I meet people that I minister to, and they still come to me 
and they hug me and they say, we can't believe what happened to my spouse because you preached the gospel. He, she was addicted to drugs, lazy, refused to work, adulterous, adulterating. And now they've changed and they're committed to the Lord. How powerful the word is in a person's life. They, they stand amazed. And that is true for all of us. We're the work of God. So let's hear the word confessing our sins like they did at the day of Pentecost. Ask him to set us free from the sin that's trying to make us its slave. To change our lives. To bring us into the family of God, not only in name, but in reality and truth. And be part of that family that comes from every tribe and language and nation. And make you part of the thronging worshipers. So really, you know, we need to have the perspective of the 24 elders in, in heaven in the book of Revelation who they saw the countless multitude of the church dressed in white robes dipped in blood. And here's what they said. They sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on. They make the church their song. They see the miracle. They make it their song. Now, I know life in the church can be hard. We read that in Revelation 12. She's the woman who's in the wilderness being pursued by the devil, persecuted by the harlot. But in spite of those difficulties, that wilderness in which we live, we're a miracle. Don't despair about the church. Don't become cynical about the church. Don't forsake her. She's the Holy Spirit's miracle. She's Jesus' family. She's God's household. A divine institution. The only in eternal institution there is. And completely unique. All other kingdoms rise and fall. But the church is the one and only institution that's been around since the human race began and will continue to its end. You want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. And of this community, I am and always will be a living member. Is that your commitment? Is that your commitment? Of this community, I am and always will be a living member. I love thy church, O oh God. So the church is God's eternal household. It's secondly, his gifted community. And we deal with the communion of the saints in question and answer 55, which is so much part and parcel of what we read in Acts 2. The Spirit gathering the church through the Word. The Holy Catholic Church. Catholic doesn't mean becoming part of the Roman Catholic Church organization, but Catholic means worldwide, universal, spread across the ages, across the nations. Why, there's some in heaven already, men, many in heaven already. Some of them are there. And yet we're one. But now we see that we're the communion of saints. The Holy Spirit does more than save people and throw them into an organization. We're not 
a bunch of marbles thrown into a bag to bounce against each other randomly. I don't ever read that picture in the Bible of the church. I do read one body with many parts. We're a family. We're a community. We're a fellowship. When you're vitally connected to Jesus Christ through the Spirit by faith, then immediately become vitally connected to one another. And then gathered into congregations all over the world. And we're brought into the body of Christ for the common good, for the sake of the whole. It's not about me, it's about we. So read of that gifted community in Acts 2. I'm just going to read those verses again, 42 through 47. Listen, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. There is their communion, the communion of the saints with Christ, the vertical communion, when they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They enjoyed communion with Christ. Christ kept ministering to them from heaven through the preaching of the word, through the apostles' doctrine, through their instruction, through their message. They kept drinking the word of God. They kept eating the bread of life. Peter says that in 1 Peter 2, like newborn infants, crave the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. We constantly need to be fed the message of the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit who gives growth. We constantly need that good news and to be instructed in what is the way to follow Christ faithfully in this world. And that's how the vine, the true vine, keeps the branches tightly connected to him by continually pouring his sap into our lives through the ministry of the gospel. So that our communion, the the saints' communion with Christ is not only begun through the gospel, but grows. So that we bear much fruit. And that's the way Christ shares all his treasures and gifts with us. The saving gifts, the serving gifts. Through the ministry of the gospel. He not only gives you forgiveness... But through the ministry of the gospel, guess what? He grows up into you. Gifts of serving. Gifts of witness. Gift of administration. All kinds of gifts. Gifts of hospitality. Christ feeds you with those gifts through the ministry of the gospel. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, brothers and sisters. How powerful it is to be in the hands of the word and the spirit. Not only saving us, but then forming Christ in us. Sanctifying us. Strengthening us. So we become conformed more and more to his image. So through his word... We're built up in communion with him, but we're also built up then in communion with one another because as Jesus 
pours his gifts into your life. He doesn't want you to hoard them or boast of them, but to share them. They're given to us for the common good. Christ also ties us to one another through the spirit and the word so that we're vitally connected as a body to one another in a communion or a community, a koinonia of sharing gifts. And that we read in 43 and following. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in koinonia, all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing or koinoneeing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. That's the Spirit's work, causing them to want to be together, causing us to want to eat together. And to have favor toward one another. And to share our gifts with one another whenever someone has a need. You see, they were not afraid to consider that what belongs to me also belongs to you because of the Spirit. What belongs to me belongs to you because of the Spirit. That's not forced communism. That's voluntary use of private property. Someone has a need... Somebody would voluntarily sell a field to help the one in need. It's beautiful. The communion of the saints, taking the gifts that God has given you and sharing them with one another. And so it's not only a gift, this communion with one another, it's also a calling. Each member, we confess, should consider it his duty to take the blessings Christ has shared with you and share them with one another. A word of encouragement goes a long ways. A word of wisdom, a time of prayer. Let's pray together. How often do we do that? Let's pray together, you say, with a brother or sister in need. A gift of food, a gift of clothing, a helping hand. Just sitting with someone when they're grieving and heartbroken and not not try to fix their problem. But sharing together, praying together, weeping together, hoping together. And along with that, in the communion of the saints, Ephesians 4 warns us not to grieve the spirit like Ananias and Sapphira did. By breaking community, by talking or behaving in such a way as to hurt or damage the community, the fellowship of believers. Because everybody is empowered by the spirit to be a bodybuilder. Again, is the church a rut for you where the people don't matter anymore? Who cares? Oh, I know what he's like. Oh, do you know what she said to me long ago? I'm not having anything to do with that person. Oh, I've forgiven them. I'm just not having anything to do with them anymore. Yeah, right. But rather, and we do everything in our power We see the church as a miracle to be a bodybuilder. Wow, what precious. That God has put you alongside me as my sister, my brother. That's a miracle. How could you ever put up with me? Really, everybody's aggravating in some way. 
And yet, that I can, there's two things in the Bible, forbearance and forgiveness. Forbearance is putting up with somebody's weaknesses. Forgiveness is pursuing somebody who's hurt you, sinned against you, to reconcile, to let it go. And we need both of those. And Ephesians 4 says, as each member does its part, the body builds itself up in love. And then when we injure one another or neglect one another, we confess our sins and pursue reconciliation rather than just leave things be and sweep them under the carpet and keep our distance from here on in. Oh, that's, that's not good for the body. That's grieving the spirit. But that leads us to the third thing. It's a fellowship of forgiveness. We're the Holy Spirits. We're the fathers. We're the sons forgiven fellowship. Think of the forgiveness of sins from two angles. We need to be forgiven to be brought into the body. But once we're brought in, we also need to be forgiven and to forgive one another to stay the body and to thrive as a body. Forgiveness is essential to fellowship in any relationship, isn't it? Forgiveness is essential to any fellowship. Listen to 1 John 1. Listen carefully to the order. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We have fellowship with one another if we walk in the light and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. You'd think it'd be the other way around. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin and we have fellowship with one another. But it's this way. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In other words, forgiveness is essential to staying in fellowship because we're all sinners who sin against one another. Where there is no forgiveness, there can be no fellowship. But where there is confessing of sin and forgiveness and forgiving one another, in this way, the Holy Spirit keeps opening a door to fellowship and growing in fellowship. The church is always the work of God, bringing together by his grace, holding it together by his grace. And that's why the words take this order in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. And there's all kinds of troubles in that communion because personally, I find you aggravating. And uh, so we have the communion of saints, but then we have the forgiveness of sins. Because that's the only way we can be the communion of saints. That's the order that John talks about it. In 1 John, forgiveness is essential to fellowship. There's enough sin in us, in me, to destroy the church a hundred times a day. But with God in Christ, there's enough forgiveness to keep the church going and growing and thriving. Remember that. 
Just think about how God has forgiven you and me. Because he's put my sin on Christ, when I confess it, he'll never hold it against me. He'll say, it's gone, my son. It's gone, my daughter. How far? Well, as far as the east is west, distant from the west. That's how far it's gone. Oh, Psalm 103. Those two never meet each other, do they? No, they don't. They're infinitely gone. How? Well, I've trampled your iniquities under my feet. The words of Micah. And I've thrown them into the depths of the sea. And they can never come back. And I'll remember them no more. That's how God has reconciled us to himself. And now he says, I want you to practice that in the communion of the saints. How often doesn't the Bible say, as I have forgiven you, or as Christ has forgiven you, so you ought also to forgive one another. You know, we can be really good at holding grudges. Somebody did or said something 20 years ago, and I still can't stand them. And they're still not welcome at my house. And I think, wow, what if Jesus treated me that way? It's over. I can't be saved. Then let us not grieve the Spirit by treating each other that way. If there's a problem that needs confessing, go and pursue it and seek reconciliation. Don't let it lay. It damages the church. It hurts the body of Christ. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Deal with it. Deal with it. We have an infinite blessing of forgiveness given to us by God. 10,000 talents. Can we then not deal with the 50 talents somebody owes us? It's a miracle to forgive others. But then again, we're all miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're living miracles. So, God has given to us in Christ also this work. The church is the work of the Holy Spirit also when we pray for forgiveness and then when we need to be forgiven or to forgive. And the Bible says both ways. If your brother has sinned against you. Go run to him. Or if you're bringing a gift to the altar, remember there your brother has something against you. Go run to him. And ideally we meet middle because we're so eager to reconcile because the church is such a mighty miracle for us. And we want to celebrate that miracle and enjoy that miracle and allow that miracle to thrive and not in any way Stand in the way of that miracle. May God give us grace to enjoy the blessing of the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, and the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Father in heaven, 
we stand amazed at this great miracle called the church. And not only that, that you would take us from wherever we were lost in our darkness and bring us into it. And we pray that many others will be brought into it. And Lord, help us to live that miracle miracle together by faith. Make us a flourishing community more and more, caring for one another as you, Lord Jesus, care so well for us. Hear us in Jesus' name.